Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome back, Indianapolis, to another exciting edition of Saturday Night on The Circle with producer Jack pushing the buttons doing the things to make the show function. We're celebrating because, of course, this is NBA All-Star Weekend here in Indianapolis. The city is abuzz. The streets are jam-packed with with traffic, with pedestrians, and it's great to see the city come alive. But elsewhere, nationally, globally, the world is ablaze as we're witnessing the utter foreign policy collapse of the Biden administration and seeing in real time how our adversaries do not at all respect or fear the military might or the leadership of the United States. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to hop in the comments section live on the YouTube machine while the show is going on. I always love to see your comments while we're talking about these important news stories like Alexei Navalny's assassination, not just his death, which is being reported by the Russians, sudden death syndrome. How shameless do you have to be? He was assassinated, a political uh, a killing in the IK3 penal colony of Karp, about 1,200 miles northeast of Moscow. One could only imagine the the terrible conditions that he had to endure through and up until his death, which rightly is being blamed on Putin by Joe Biden. Reports of his death, if they're true, and I have no reason to believe it or not, Russian authorities are going to tell their own story. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. Putin is responsible. And that's unquestionable. It was basically done in front of the world because Putin is not afraid of Joe Biden. He's not afraid of consequences that the United States could inflict, but is doubtlessly not going to. And Joe Biden himself promised, quote, devastating consequences, not just militarily, economically for Russia if Navalny were to be assassinated, which is exactly what happened. Roll back the tape. This was Biden saying that Russia would be devastated if were such a thing to happen, which it did. Mr. President, just a quick follow on the same theme of consequences. You said just now that you spoke to him a lot about human rights. What do you say would happen if opposition leader <laughs> Alexei Navalny dies? I made it clear to him that I believe the the consequences of that would be devastating for Russia. You sit on a throne of lies. There's no devastating consequences for Russia. Joe Biden already tipped his hand prior to the Ukrainian invasion when he said if there were a minor incursion, that was a direct quote from Joe Biden himself, then the United States would not intervene. And then less than a week later, troops were on the ground incurring on Ukrainian territory. And since they've been embroiled in a conflict for going on a year and a half, 
Putin doesn't care about any threats that Joe Biden could levy, not militarily and not economically. What sanctions have yet to be levied against Putin that have already haven't already been levied during the Ukrainian war? And for that matter, why is the United States intervening? Don't make threats if you don't intend to follow through. Like, yes, absolutely, Putin is a bad actor and he assassinated his political opponent, Alexei Navalny. But you know who else is a bad actor in the world? So is Saudi Arabia. Remember when they killed that journalist, Jamal Khashoggi? What came of that? We still buy their oil, right? What about Kim Jong-un? He kills people by the dozen every week over in North Korea or China for that matter. But we still buy their widgets and we still let them steal our intellectual property. So the world does not fear the United States. The world does not fear, more specifically, Joe Biden. And we're witnessing in real time foreign policy collapse because of the weakness exhibited and exuded by the Biden administration that we've talked about on this show on a semi-regular basis because it keeps showing up and resulting in terrible consequences, not only for American citizens, but for the world, which highlights what a high stakes game this is and why the leadership in the Oval Office is so utterly important. Also, A. Blinken, Anthony Blinken pointing the finger at Russia and say, oh, don't worry, we're going to be we're going to be talking with other countries about this uh, assassination of Alexei Navalny. Hey, Blinken, did you say Abe Lincoln? No, I say Abe Lincoln. I said, hey, Blinken, hold the reins, man. Fear of one man only underscores the weakness and rot at the heart of the system that Putin has built. Russia is responsible for this. We'll be talking to many other countries concerned about Alexei Navalny, uh, especially if these reports bear out to be true. This is like Obama's red line in the sand. Joe Biden promising devastating consequences and then failing to follow through highlights the weakness of the United States and further our erodes our influence on the global stage. And on a repeated basis, you've seen Democrats more broadly and this administration more specifically underestimate their geopolitical foes. And now we have reports of a Russian weapon system which could be launched into space and threaten our military and our communication satellites on the backbone of what services the entire nation's communications array and our military capabilities. So if that goes, we're in a whole heap load of trouble. And this is what John Kirby said, um, uh, announcing that it, this this uh, system exists, it, it, uh, it, but he can't be more specific due to national security concerns. I am limited by how much I can share about the specific nature of the threat. I can confirm that it is related to an anti-satellite capability that Russia is developing. (laughs) I'm in danger! Fortunately, past administrations... The Trump administration, very specifically, had the foresight to see that space is the next frontier and maintaining a presence and control over our space assets is an issue of national interest and national security, which was why the Space Force was established under President Donald Trump. And a lot of people laughed it off at the time, but they're not laughing now. Even in 2021, after Joe Biden came to power, Jen Jen Psaki, remember a redhead circleback Psaki? She was laughing, oh, the Space Force, the plane of today. 
ask whether the president has made a decision on keeping or keeping the scope of Space Force. Wow, Space Force. It's, it's the plane of today. Um, it is an interesting question. Um, I am happy to check with our Space Force point of contact. I'm not sure who that is. I will find out and see if we have any update on that. You stupid woman with your weird child. Thank goodness more serious heads prevailed and established that institution, which is now going to doubtlessly be playing a part in our response to this threat of our space-going assets. And this isn't the first time that Democrats have underestimated our geopolitical adversaries. Let's roll back the clock, not to just 2021, but to 2012 during the debates um, when Mitt Romney was debating Barack Obama. And he said this famous line about the threat of Russia. Governor Romney, I'm glad that you recognize that al-Qaeda is a threat because a few months ago when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia. Not al-Qaeda, you said Russia. In the 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back because you know, the Cold War has been over for 20 years. <laughs> oh, Red Scare. Mitt Romney, you silly fool. That's ridiculous. And yeah, who's laughing now as Russia is posing a very serious threat to our military and our satellite communication systems that are the backbone of what helped this nation to function? So time and again, the incompetence and irresponsibility of the Democrat administrations, both Barack Obama and Joe Biden, have endangered the national security of the citizenry and the national interests of United, the United States and damaged our uh, standing on the geopolitical stage and our influence because now <laughs> our adversaries flatly do not fear a reprisal from the United States because of the weakness that has been exhibited on a repeated basis. And now we have an incompetent executive that's exhibiting signs of dementia and was recused from responsibility for mishandling classified information because he's a well-meaning uh, uh, old man with memory problems. And Mike Johnson had this funny statement about that, saying rightfully that somebody who can't be held accountable for mishandling classified information doesn't deserve to hold the Oval Office. A man too incapable of being held accountable for mishandling classified information is certainly unfit for the Oval Office. And everyone in this room, if you just ask yourself that question, you will come to the same conclusion. He said it. He said it. Yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. And I don't disagree, but do we find it not just a little bit ironic that that will apply to both candidates in the upcoming presidential election? Both Joe Biden and Donald Trump mishandled classified documents that endangered our national security because of their irresponsible behavior. And, and yes, I, I do think that's a disqualifying factor. It's just curious that Mike Johnson would draw attention to that when Donald Trump was doing essentially the same thing. Now, of course, Joe Biden, far more damaging in just his short four years of uh, taking the office. But that was kind of funny for him to point out. Thanks for listening to the show. We've got a lot more content to come. Up next, I wanted to talk about the entrenchment of DEI policies in the Joe Biden administration and how that could potentially influence administrations to come for decades and why it's also insidious. Stay tuned for that coming up next on 93 WIBC. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show, Indianapolis. This is Ethan Hatcher, and you're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, where I'm here to warn of the forthcoming remolding of the federal government that Joe Biden is seeking to implement, shaping it in the edifice of cultural Marxism and decay. Thanks for listening to the show. Producer Jack by the way, on the board, beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with the administration patting itself on the back. The Office of Diversity, Inclusion and Civil Rights, which is something that, yes, it does exist in the Department of the Interior. And uh, one of the uh, spokesmen, Secretary Deb, Deb Haland, praised the department for its uh, inclusion and diversity. We're also very grateful to Interior's Office of Diversity, Inclusion, and Civil Rights uh, for contributions to today's equity plan. They worked very hard on that, and we have uh, a diverse staff in that office, too, uh, because it's so important to make sure we, we have those perspectives uh, guiding us as we do our work every single day. It is crazy. We say to give a woman, woman power is like to give a gun to a monkey. We have stopped doing that ever since the 1999 Astana Zoo massacre. What an insane word salad of political correctness that was wrought in just a short amount of time. But they're reshaping the way the administration, the bureaucracy is going to function potentially for decades to come because these are the unelected officials that implement the laws and uh, executive orders that are passed by the Congress or that are ordered by the president. These are the agencies which oversee how the entire government operates and it's being saturated with these DEI policies, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which would better be titled division, exclusion, and incompetence because that is exactly what's being ingrained in the federal government in every aspect, including the worthless Department of Education, which if you've ever wondered why school have gone to crap. This is why uh, the secretary, Miguel Card- Cardona, explaining that everything in education is part of their equity initiative. What an honor to serve as secretary of education at this time in our country's history. And I, and I say, you know, we do this work and in education, there's not something that we do that's not uh, part of our equity initiative because education is equity. more oversight the federal government has overtaken from local schools, the worse as a nation we have performed. Our schools are doing worse now than they were 50 years ago. Oh yeah, that was prior to the uh, uh, implementation of the Department of Education. Hmm, I wonder if there's a connection there. And now they're saturating every, he said it there, every aspect of what they do with this diversity, equity, and inclusion crap that is absolutely 
toxic and withering to standards and merits. Um, which are the, the backbone of how how our society functions. Um, and it's not just there. Uh, it's also the domestic policy advisor near a tand. And she says the administration, like I was warning you about, is hard at work implementing those DEI policies at every level of the federal government, entrenching it in how the administration, in how the bureaucracy functions, which could affect how this this works for years, possibly decades to come. And it's going to take concerted effort to overturn, which I hope if President Trump is elected, one that he'll undertake. Equity is a cornerstone issue from for this administration. Not only did we have a day one EO that was really designed to drive agencies, but our second EO was really designed to create the infrastructure within agencies to drive uh, equity across the board. Establishment, establishment, you always know what's best. You suck! Learn the rules! Just so you know, I'm not making up how absolutely nefarious and insane these DEI policies are. Let's have uh, an example in action of what those Im- what implementing that policy looks like. What having equity at the forefront of these administrations will be. And it was perfectly encapsulated by none other than HHS uh, Secretary Admiral Rachel Levine, who was fake woman drawing attention to a fake health crisis, perfectly encapsulating the worthlessness of the Biden administration. Hello, I'm Admiral Rachel Levine. This Black History Month, I'm pleased to partner with OMH in advancing better health through better understanding for black communities. Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the physical and mental health of black communities. Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to live in areas and housing that increase their susceptibility to climate-related health issues. And 65% of black Americans report feeling anxious about climate change's impact. Through our Office of Climate Change and Health Equity and the Office of Environmental Justice, we're working with providers and community leaders to identify innovative approaches that empower communities to address the health consequences linked to climate change. (laughs) Oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. (laughs) Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the mental health of black communities is truly one of the most absurd statements to debut in 2024. And we're only a couple months in. We still got 10 to go. Rachel Levine, of course, making a mockery of the Health and Human Services Department and of women, science and the African-American community all rolled into one. So this is what diversity equity and inclusion policies are going to look like implemented in these federal bureaucracies. And it doesn't end there. The Democrats are also thrilled to debut a, let's see, hip hop task force, which will muster the authority of Congress to help promote the messages of the hip hop community. The Black Music Action Coalition is an advocacy organization that's committed to utilizing the cultural capital of black music to influence the music industry and greater society on the issues of racial justice and equity. 
We know that hip-hop builds bridges across our communities. And I'm thrilled to be part of a task force that supports that bridge building. By focusing on congressional policies that safeguard the rights and interests of artists, producers, and fans alike, we will not only honor hip-hop's significant contribution to our cultural landscape, but also ensure that its vibrant legacy is preserved <laughs> and respected. Excellent. I'm a bigger hit with the kids than Will Smith and his nice, clean rap. <laughs> I respect women when I'm on a date. I take them to the park or maybe a museum, and I only try to kiss them if they're ready. Woohoo! What? 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 Say what? What? Help out your mom and dad by getting a job so you can help pay for school supplies. Woohoo! Say ho! Wipe your shoes on the mat when you come in the house. Someone just clean that floor. Woohoo! Say what? What? <laughs> yes, the famously wholesome hip-hop community is really uh, an avenue that Congress should be devoting quite a lot of time and resources on. What can I tell you, folks? This is where the Democrats place their priorities, and this is why you see so much decay surrounding uh, the society. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Coming up next, the debut of a new segment you don't want to miss, The Sound Dump. Stay tuned. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show where we enter the garbage world of politics, a land of filth and degeneracy, as this week we examine the absent-minded antics of the dementia-addled president. Plus, you'll hear another well-tossed word salad served up by Kamala Harris to inspire a future generation of insipid leaders. Bernie Sanders also hilariously falls victim to the same lunatics that he's helped promote while at an overseas conference. And you'll never believe what the CDC has recently announced. Hold your nose and bear through the stench as we wade into this week's episode of The Sound Dump. I'll take you for a ride I'm a garbage truck It's the Saturday Night Sound Dump on 93 WIPC. I'll take you to the dump I'll show you the sights you know you want to ride I'm a garbage truck Truck, truck, truck what do you think of that, producer Jack? You like the new bump? I I was like, is that distortion coming up from me or the song? No, that's the, that's the song. Okay. it's really dirty. It's grimy. See, it it fits the tone of like the garbage, the sound dump. You know, it's, it's, it's all about what you want out of it. The, the garbage of modern politics. So yeah, a bit of a rebranding for uh, what was the hat trick segment, but we're we're now re- rebranding it as the sound dump. And where better to begin than Joe Biden losing his mind, responding to the assassination of Alexei Navalny and kind of like Mitch McConnell, he completely resets and loses a train of thought mid-sentence. Do whatever the hell they want. I guess I should clear my mind here a little bit and not say what I'm really thinking. You tell me who this sounds like. Slow-moving inattentive, dull, 
constantly snacking. What, what was he really thinking there? I, I, I think I think the reality of the situation is he completely lost his train of thought and was trying to cover for his absent-mindedness. Turns out the special counsel is absolute, absolutely right. He is an older man with memory problems, also exhibited on Valentine's Day when he took more than 20 seconds to respond to a reporter aimlessly wandering around in front of the White House Valentine's Day displays. President Biden, do you have a reaction to the shooting in Kansas City? Real time. Unedited. Is he, like, supposed to answer these questions? Are you concerned about the nuclear weapon in space We're from Russia, sir? We're getting more information about the shooting. I don't have it all. I'll have it later tonight. Here. Sad. Very sad. Sad. See, there we go. Producer Jackie got around to it and answer your question. No, I mean, he's the president of the United States. He doesn't have to answer these questions, especially when they're, you know, shot off the hip by these reporters standing on the side of, uh, you know, one of these ceremonies. But if you're going to respond, maybe respond a little quicker than 20 seconds in. Yeah, I think he was like coming up with an answer, but like, coming up with the answer that will come up with the answer later this evening. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's not a good look for the president or for the vice president who offered up this stunning word salad talking about history and she kind of takes it from there. Um, I say many times, especially to the to young folks that I, I mentor, you know, um, we can think of history as being a relay race. And of course, there are then those who carried the baton before us. And then they passed the baton to us. And we who are in this room right now currently hold the baton. (laughs) And I do believe that the ancestors, that the founders, and we are talking about the founding mothers and fathers of our country, by the way. Um, I do believe that they didn't necessarily think that we would end the race. But charged us with a responsibility to do as much and as best as we could while we carry the baton for our part of the race. (laughs) Shut up, silly woman. You know, (laughs) I I wonder if maybe during their downtime, our founding fathers were more like this. It's just for posterity and history. They only recorded their greatest hits, you know, because that we, they had the benefit of not living in a society that's recorded 24 seven, where you can just, you know, hop on a microphone or pull out your camera and start, you know, start recording sound. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we just got their most refined and most polished oration, or maybe we really just have fallen that far as a society, because it seems like we have no more oratory ability in the leadership. You used to have these really inspiring speeches. I mean, you even think back to like Ronald Reagan, it's morning in America. And you know, these great, uh, the shining city on a hill, these great uh, tear down this wall. Oh, Mr. Gorbachev, you know, just one after another, great moments from the Reagan administration. And now you have Kamala Harris. I, I mean, I guess it wasn't too different because uh, it was the very next presidency when you had a uh, potato. Oh, no, that's spelled with an E at the end, son. <laughs> P-O-T-O-E. Potato.
<laughs> That's Dan Quayle. Anyway, um, so yeah, Kamala Harris, not her best moment. Also, there was a hilarious uh, moment overseas. Bernie Sanders was at a conference and he was talking about the conflict in Gaza when he gets called out by some hecklers, some of the same lunatics that he's helped empower over the years. So I find the irony thick and hysterical. I don't know, what, what genocide? Use the word. Gotta be catch it is a genocide. What's your definition of genocide? Bernie, you have funded <laughs> Zionism yourself. You have funded the Israeli settler state. Here you are, pretending you aren't. It is disgusting. Liar, liar, genocide denier. Liar, liar, genocide denier. It's disgusting. It is reprehensible. You are a child killer. Mental illness is a political identity and always has been. Now, what must Bernie Sanders feel like? There is an you know, octogenarian old man and being hurled these, it's your child killer. So, so melodramatic. These people, they are so funny. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know why, like I felt, I felt like they needed to, like come up with like a rhyme or something. Yeah, yeah. He probably was working that uh, on that all afternoon. Yeah. You know, like he he had a notepad. You know, oh, God, what, what am I gonna what am I gonna call Bernie? He's waiting for his moment, and it finally came. <laughs> Genocide denier. Oh, this would be perfect. <laughs> Um, now, we also, of course, had a fascinating trial that we're going to get into more in the second hour. And this is regarding the disqualification of prosecutor Fannie Willis in Georgia. And it looks like Donald Trump was 100% right about this woman. There is all kinds of corruption going on in that prosecution. Um, and it, th- there was a funny moment when she misheard a phrase that was used by uh, uh, the, the attorneys attempting to disqualifier my words cash hoard that you had collected over time cash what hoard h-o-r-d-e well i thought you said something different sir <laughs> no i'm afraid i wouldn't say that uh-huh. any circumstances to you or in all right back on track the hoard cash hoard <laughs> now that's comedy <laughs> really emphasize that that last uh, syllable there hoard <laughs> yeah it was like at the end it kind of sounded like well it reminded me like the cool cool whip cool whip from yeah from family guy now you're just being weird <laughs> there's not even an h in that one um also fanny willis talking about her personal proclivities and her taste in alcohol she had her own brett kavanaugh moment brett kavanaugh likes beer but fanny willis she is a little bit she likes something a little stiffer but him he likes wine i don't really like wine to be honest with you i like gray goose um i bought him a bottle of wine while we were there and the things that you do Bet it's been a minute since you heard that tune played. Yeah, no, that's a big throwback. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we, you were talking about how that that heckler and the Bernie Sanders must have been coming up with that for like a long time. He was working on you know get something to rhyme. Yeah. Well, here's Letitia James who just uh, is gloating about the ruling against Donald Trump in his uh, uh, misappraisal of uh, mis misvaluation of his assets, and she debuted a line. I guarantee. He was workshop for a long time. Check it out. Today, justice has been served. Today, we prove that no one is above the law, no matter how rich 
powerful or politically connected you are, everyone must play by the same rules. Donald Trump falsely, knowingly inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself, his family, and to cheat the system. Donald Trump may have authored the art of the deal, but he perfected the art of the steal. <laughs> Boom. Roasted. <laughs> <laughs> she feels so proud of herself for that. The delivery just alone is sounds corny. Yes. No, no. She I mean she she you know was trying to give it this gravitas and sincerity and it's you know, such a heavy moment for the president to be prosecuted in this way and it just yes, it came off as very yeah. silly. Um now of course, New York has him dead to rights. Um I I'm not sure if people have, have looked into the case. I mean, I've I've tried to study this as best I can, but New York like cuz one of the one of the uh uh uh, objections to this entire prosecution is Donald Trump defraud- defrauded nobody. What does it matter if his assets were misevaluated, if he paid back his loans, if no fraud actually occurred? Well, it turns out in the New York statutes, you don't have to defraud anybody to be convicted of this crime. So there doesn't have to be a victim for New York State to successfully prosecute this alleged crime. Now, in the court of public opinion, this is, of course, utterly ridiculous and it looks incredibly partisan but i mean as far as just what's written on the books in new york they've they've got him because they don't need to have a victim he doesn't actually have to have committed any fraud for a quote crime to have transpired under this statute which is ridiculous but it is what it is now speaking of ridiculous you'll never believe what's making a comeback what are we what are we it's, it's 20 20, 2024, that's right. And we are going back to 2020. The CDC updating its COVID policies. Yay! Washington Post is reporting that the CDC is expected to shift its COVID isolation guidance, uh, saying that you don't have to isolate once you're fever-free for 24 hours and symptoms are mild and improving. Does the White House feel this is long overdue? So, look, I, I saw that reporting. I uh, want to be really careful because CDC is going through their pro- process. They're going to decide the guidelines, so I don't want to get ahead of that. Uh, so let's, let's let uh, CDC go through their process. I just don't want to get ahead of them. And I thought my jokes were bad. Oh, thank God, Jack. The the CDC says we don't have to isolate anymore after 24 hours of uh, fever-free uh, existence. Thank thank goodness that the CDC is updating their COVID policies, like as if. Anybody gives a damn anymore? Yeah, no, I I haven't been paying attention to it. Nobody has. <laughs> we, we, we've all moved on. Thank God. Yeah. You're listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Saturday night on the circle on 93 WIBC. 
Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure to catch the podcasts uploaded weekly to WIBC.com and Saturday night on thecircle.fireside.fm. I mentioned earlier, this week we have the NBA All-Star Game, and Indianapolis is just alight with activity. The traffic is dense, the pedestrians are thick, and the atmosphere is celebratory. But of course... We also had the Super Bowl. Was that last weekend that was the Super Bowl? I don't pay attention to sports, Uh, Jack. Yeah, it was. last. Yeah, okay. Um, And that was in Las Vegas, debuting in Las Vegas. Now, not only do you have streetwalkers on Las Vegas, but you also had... A thousand Jehovah's Witnesses. Hundreds of thousands of football fans are coming to town for the Super Bowl. Thousands of other people are coming to reach out to those fans, like 6,000 members of the media that are credentialed for this event, as well as people who are all around Allegiant Stadium, up and down the Strip this week, and at the welcome sign. 1,000 Jehovah's Witnesses taking their message to the streets. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Now, you ever run into any uh, Jehovah's Witnesses there, Jack? Yeah, um, when I was at Ball State, they would just stroll around campus and... Um, really? Yeah. Was it with the carts? Uh, not with the carts, but um, yeah, no, they just... The, the carts are a recent thing. See, I used to be a Jehovah's Witness. Fun fact. Yeah, I was yeah. I was raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so the idea of being assaulted by these people at like a sporting event or anywhere else is absolutely repulsive to me. But I know if like just as as an outside observer there, Jack, if you got your choice between one of these pretty ladies in Las Vegas handing out their escort cards, or you got these people standing on the corner handing out their cult propaganda, which are you going after? I I, I don't think it's a it's a tough competition for most people like you know they're they're at a football game they're here to party not to preach but uh you know good luck to you uh thankfully we have the first amendment where everybody's uh, speech is protected equally no matter how much i might find it to be annoying thanks for listening to saturday night on the circle stay tuned because coming up in hour two we're going to tell you about the ridiculous antics of denise paul hatch uh a lawyer and uh pundit abdul shabazz is coming on the show he'll tell us all about it stay tuned for that and so much more hour two of Saturday night on The Circle. Well, Felix Bush is the only answer. It's the opinion of the entire staff that Dexter is criminally insane. Same, same, same. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on The Circle. I'm your bohemian codger, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for listening. Catch my podcast uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday Night on The Circle.fireside.fm. The demented antics of a woman consumed by a quest for power have finally ended in her arrest and charges ranging from theft to official misconduct to resisting arrest and aiding a criminal. How could just one Marion County Center Township constable cause so much mayhem and trouble? Here to 
share the alleged antics of Denise Paul Hatch is the premier political pundit of Indianapolis and expert legal eagle, the spectacular Abdul Shabazz, joins the show once again. You did that very well without a script. Congratulations. I appreciate that, sir. Okay, so this isn't the first time that we've talked about Denise Paul Hatch. She's been in the news actually last year uh, with a conflict between an IMPD officer that was affecting an eviction, and then she was intervening on behalf of the tenant who was attempting to avoid getting moved out. <laughs> yes, she was. And then that led to a dispute between her and the small claims court judge, which said the judge, uh, Judge Brent Roper, who I've known uh, for a while, uh, basically issued an order basically saying that uh, we're not going to use the township constable anymore to serve process. We're going to use other constables and Sheriff's departments, and that ended up in a big fight. So, so otherwise, otherwise, Miss Lincoln, how was the play? And 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 this is why we have sound just to pull, you know roll the tape to refresh everybody's memories about what happened last year. Yes. Come on, I'm going to you put your hands on your boy. Yes, I did, girl. I ain't a girl, yeah, boy. You see that? That's true. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Touch me one more time. I want to touch you. You're not allowed to arrest me. You touch me one more time. You're not allowed to arrest me. Watch. You're not Watch. Touch me one more time. You're not allowed to arrest me. Watch. Touch me one more time. You're not allowed to arrest me. Close the gap. One more time. Close the gap one more time. I left you my one more time. Stupid bitch. Right. I need you to step out the front. I know you don't need me to step up my way. Don't put your hands on me, man. Now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Oh. Come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help, help! I'm being repressed, bloody peasant! Oh, what a giveaway. Do you hear that? Do you hear that, eh? That's what I'm on about. Do you see him repressing me? <laughs> no, there's some lovely filth over here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Now, of course, this is just one man's opinion, but this woman seems like a tall glass of crazy, condensed craziness. <laughs> I will not go so far as to say Denise Paul Hatch is crazy because I do not know her mental state. What I do know is that uh, controversy tends, <laughs> she and controversy tend to walk hand in hand. Uh, well, I saw her blast through the Center Township Small Claims Court one afternoon when I was going up to ma- you know, uh, file file uh, my own paperwork there, and she was hurling insults at the staff and the IMPD, and they're trying to kill me. And then let's get into the latest batch of, of scandals, um, including this was this happened at, at the Kroger I shop at regularly on the uh, uh, corner of 10th Street and Linwood. Well, for first of all, well, to get about to see there, they're basically uh, two two separate incidents mm-hmm. which took place. Number one was the Kroger incident where she brought in rotten fruit <laughs> and tried to say, "Hey, you, you guys sold me rotten fruit. I want to give this. I want to. I want to exchange this for good fruit." I mean, with like maggots yeah. coming out of yeah. it and it's dripping. And this is clearly well past expiration. Yeah. And she, you know, she. I, what, I heard she was flashing her badge. Yeah. So, like, so, there, so there was that one. But then, then there was the other one. <laughs> Uh, that took place uh, off of, I want to say, High School Road and 38th Street. This one's more serious. Yes, this one's a lot more serious. Where a, a deputy constable, uh, and, and just so you folks know, uh, township constables in Indiana and uh, in America do not have law enforcement authorities. They cannot arrest anybody. They cannot stop anybody. They cannot charge anybody. <laughs> they have two jobs, serve process in the court system, which basically means if you get sued, they'll, they'll, they'll do the summons for you. And they, they deliver they, paperwork. They, paperwork and court security. That's it. That is their only solely statutory function. Denise Paul Hatch had some other things in mind. So she's been deputized in a lot of these uh, constables because obviously one constable can't serve you know hundreds of thousands of people. So you have deputy constables. And so let's say the service process will cost you 15 bucks to file a lawsuit. The constable will give 15. They'll give, they'll give like five to their deputy constable. So, so, and so they make money in volume. So 
now that we've established that, uh, apparently one of her deputy constables was driving down High School Road, uh, reached over, did something, almost hit somebody, and the guy swerved over, so an IMP officer was behind him, like, hey, well, let's stop here. What's what's going on? Right. And so eventually the, the guy pulls him over. They run his plates. First of all, he's driving with expired plates, no seat belt, so that's another reason to stop and pull you over. Uh, the police officer you know, says, Can I, what's going on here? And so he, he hands him his, his ID and badge, and he realizes that the guy's got a phone next to him, and so he's on the phone actually talking to the township constable, Denise Paul Hatch. And but please know this is not Center Township, so it's nowhere near. Even if she did have jurisdiction, she wouldn't have jurisdiction <laughs> in this. <clears throat> it's nowhere, nowhere close. No, we're nowhere close. <laughs> and so she's like, "Put the police officer on the phone," and they're like, "Hey, my boss wants to come and talk." Like, I don't want to talk to the constable. Like, I'm talking to you. Right. Put the phone away. And then, <laughs> and then some more crap happens, and then it turns out the guy's got a gun in his seat, which permanently is carried in Indiana. You can you can have a gun, fine. However. You cannot possess a gun if you have a, oh, say, domestic violence conviction on your record. So the cop ran the plates, and they found the guy had a domestic violence, like, you're under arrest, you got a gun, not supposed to have a gun. By that time, a bunch of police officers show up because, you know, there's ever just one, and then a traffic stop. And then while they're there, the, the guys in the back, the, the, the deputy constable's in the back of his truck, you know, in handcuffs. Denise Paul Hatch shows up and goes up to the police car and starts tries to open the door to get the guy out of the back of the car. So she's actually trying to help him escape. Or do something. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> and, and interfere with a lawful arrest. I don't, I don't know if she was trying to okay. help him escape, but help, interfere with a lawful arrest. Yeah, because you you, once somebody's in the back of a police car, you can't just yank them out if you're not right. law enforcement. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what questions you got for me, Ethan? <laughs> what can we do to get rid of this lady? Because, okay, she's an elected official. She's been accused of official misconduct at this point. Surely there's some measure of recourse for Marion County to recall this woman and then appoint a, Indiana, new, a new constable. Indiana, and for that, well, Indiana, one, Indiana does not have a recall provision. So, once you got, once you got elected official, you got elected. However, uh, if an elected official was convicted of a felony, not charged... Convicted. convicted. Because at this had... point, this is she's just been arrested and charged. Right. We haven't gone through due process yet. Right. So everything that we've been talking about is still alleged, but yeah, you know, and so uh, and strongly alleged. And she like uh, four or five felonies, two misdemeanors. I can't remember what, what the total was, but she convicted of, of one of those felonies. Please guilty to one of those felonies, and she would have to step down. Uh, then there'd be a caucus, a precinct committee, people in Center Township, and they would pick a new constable. Okay, so so she has to be convicted in order to be removed from right. office at this right. point. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Matt, wow, this is just, this is, I mean, so much trouble for just a relatively low level position. And I guess that's my secondary question. Is this just something that's a feature of Indiana or are other states utilizing the system as well? Because, like, don't, aren't, aren't process servers something that you can basically just do shuffling it, you know, around in the back of your car with a bunch of paperwork and giving it to the people that it needs to be, need to be served? Yeah. You, you, you don't need to be a constable, surely. No, but no, but, but if you can do that, there's affidavits, other paperwork you got to sign and get done. There are other ways to serve processes. Don't necessarily the constable do first class mail, registered mail. You know, you can just make kind of sheriff's department. There's lots of ways to serve process, but that's what the constables do. That's their job. And she she obviously had different ideas of what the authority for a constable were. 
I would say different ideas is putting it in mildly. <laughs> and, and as I understand it, she's been kind of floating around um, Indiana politics and Marion County politics for a number of years. Like she's ran for, I believe it was state senator. She's ran for a few different elected positions, but she was finally able to get this position because she ran unopposed in the uh, for the office of constable. Uh, she ran during a time uh, she was center township. Uh, it's kind of like Hamilton County. If you if if you win the primary, usually you win the general election. Sure. And she ran in the primary and won as part of this this sort of wave of, of, of female uh, lawmakers who got elected back in 2022. Now, what can Republicans do to maybe stage a better presence in Marion County? Because right now, there are a lot of you know city council positions where you know maybe you have a libertarian, but Republicans just aren't running at all. So Democrats have you know free, wide and clear reign to just take any elected office that they apply for, which I believe happened in this case. She didn't even have Republican opposition, right? Because a Republican <laughs> running for center township council would be almost be pointless. Because they're just starting enough Republicans in Center Township to make that. What can we of, do to change that? I don't know. Get more Republicans to move to Center Township, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, surely the, the the voters will be aware of of what what's going on. Of course, you said once uh, she's been convicted, she, she'd be removed from office. Exactly, and that looks pretty likely at this point. But I mean, heck, her term could expire before the court case even happens. Uh, her term will expire in twenty twenty six ish. Yeah, twenty twenty six. Okay. Yeah. So, well, I mean, but the, the wheels no, no, of justice. No, 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 no. Criminal trials go by much quicker than civil trials do. Okay. Because you, you have a right to a speedy trial. Uh, and so that that's why criminal litigation needs to go a lot faster, a lot quicker than the civil stuff. Well, good, because Marion County voters deserve a quick resolution to this absolute buffoonery. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I've been an insult to absolute buffoons, but I'll take your word for it. Hey, Abdul, thanks for uh, coming on the show and sharing your thoughts. I appreciate hey, it, sir. Hey, my pleasure, my friend. Always, always glad to help. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Who's the slimiest rat in the pack? Who's unlovable? Who's unlivable? Whose behavior is quite unforgivable? Who would stoop to the lowest and meanest of tricks in the book? This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We just got done talking with uh, lawyer Abdul Shabazz about the antics of Constable Denise Paul Hatch here in Center uh, uh, Center Township in Marion County. Um, but that doesn't even approach the corruption and craziness of prosecutor Fannie Willis, who this week has been undergoing hearings for disqualification due to her corruption and improper relationship with one of the other attorneys that she appointed to help the prosecutor's office handle the election interference case against Donald Trump. This is all absolutely insane. You heard, of course, last hour she was uh, mentioning her cash 
Horde. Um, uh, and that, that's a central aspect of this case. These large cash transactions supposedly paying back Nathan Wade for vacation expenditures that were billed at taxpayer expenses. She's already paid him more than $600,000. And now we're finding out there was a pre-existing relationship, which if true, could completely throw the whole case out of whack. They'd have to throw it out and start all over, which is not looking good for Fanny. And she is obstinate and irritated, taking the stand this week and possibly sinking her own defense. Uh, she got very uh, uh, riled up and uh, she was argumentative with the lawyers uh, in questioning her. So your office objected to us getting um, Delta records for flights that you may have taken with Mr. Wade. Well, no, no, no. Look, I object to you getting records. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. I may not know my flowers, but I know a bitch when I see one. Oh, so, and at several points, the judge actually had to rebuke her and say that her testimony would be uh, uh, written out or uh, withdrawn from the record if she didn't directly answer the questions that lawyers were posing to her. And a central aspect of this is these large cash payments that she allegedly made to uh, Nathan Wade and her father attempting to cash the or, uh, uh, cast this whole thing is just something that black folks do, you know? We like to hoard large cash sums. When your daughter moved or left the house that she owned, did, did she say anything to you about having a large uh, savings of cash? Oh, no, she... Oh, no. See... Maybe, excuse me, and I, Your Honor, I'm not trying to be racist, okay? But it's a black thing, okay? What? You know, I was trained, and most black folks, they hide cash, or they keep cash. And uh, I was, no, I trained, you always keep some cash. It's beautiful. Take your hat off, boy. That's a dollar bill. Oh, very convenient for Fannie Willis to have these large cash payments held in reserve so she can make these off-the-books transactions. It's just something the black folks do, which is completely ridiculous and insulting, but that's the excuse they're trying to use. Fannie Willis also in the process talking about her cash hoarding tendencies, admitted to a separate crime because she said out loud that she retained some of her campaign cash after the election. Whole life, when I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some of the cash of that. Oops. Like, to tell you, I just have cash in my house. I don't. It's gold and it's mine, mine, mine. Yeah, you can't do that, Producer Jack. What she admitted to there was taking money out of her campaign contributions, converting it to cash, and keeping it at the house for her personal use. 
No, 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 no. That's a crime. So, like, separate from the corruption that's going on where she's paying her boyfriend um, taxpayer dollars to help uh, the, with the Trump uh, prosecution, and she's going on vacations to, uh, let's see, Belize, to Napa, to Aruba, to the Bahamas. Like, And then on top of that, she's also hoarding campaign cash. This is a problem. Yeah, it, it sounds illegal. <laughs> sounds highly <laughs> legal. So, yeah, sounds like something that would cause the case to have to be thrown out of court and start back from square one. So it would be a huge win for Donald Trump's legal battles if, in fact, Fannie Willis is disqualified. And it looks kind of like we might be heading in that direction. Also, thanks to uh, testimony from Nathan Wade talking about these, again, conveniently off the books, cash transactions that she was able to make. Oh, no, 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 no. We didn't we didn't use taxpayer funds to take our trips to the Bahamas. She paid that back with cash. You said in the affidavit that you roughly shared travel, though, correct? Yes, ma'am. OK, so this roughly sharing travel, you're saying she reimbursed you. She did. And where did you deposit the money she reimbursed you? Oh, it was cash. She didn't she didn't give me any checks. So he's getting these large cash reimbursements. They're dating. The relationship wasn't disclosed. And he's having memory problems, just like Joe Biden can't seem to recall the details of when and where he's done things with good old Fannie Willis. Uh, couldn't, in this case, recall for more than 15 seconds whether or not he'd ever been in a cabin with Fannie before. Hmm. Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis ever? Ever. 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 No. Never gone to cabinet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. That was, that was great editing too on your end. <laughs> the sudden stop. Nope. <laughs> But that, I mean, seriously, like that was unedited besides the music, uh, the the length of time that it took for him to like carefully yeah. consider. So, yeah, I mean, the corruption abounds. And at this point, it's so apparent that even MSNBC, so not a bastion of like Republican thought and conservative leadership. This is strongly on the left. MSNBC saying that, yeah, it's pretty likely Fannie's going to get disqualified for this. Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis? Oops. Ever. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court, it's game over for her. She will be disqualified um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to, to the court. It's, it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. It'd be funny if it weren't so pathetic. No, what the heck? I'll laugh anyway. <laughs>
And the best part is that Fanny's own testimony is really going to be integral here because her lawyers were doing the smart thing. You don't have to testify in these matters. You can plead the fifth. And in some cases, that is the best option for you, especially if you're guilty, because you need some uh, uh, skilled ar- <laughs> skilled arguments uh, to create doubt in the mind of uh, the, the judge or the jury, um, it, you know, in the mind of the court, I should say. But in this case, Fanny literally storms into the courtroom as her lawyers are trying to like, no, she's not going to appear on the witness stand. No, you you bet your ass I'm going to show up on that witness stand. And she didn't do herself any favors. She she really didn't. She was argumentative uh, that she had to be rebuked by the judge. She's talking about her cash hoarding and about her alcohol. I mean... Sometimes it's better to just zip the lip and shut up. Yeah, you're just giving the, you know, the opponent like ammunition to the opposition. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that's what Fanny did, which might bode well for President Trump. And I mean, in either case, what what's going on here um, is helping Trump, if not in his uh, uh, legal case, then certainly in the court of public opinion. Either way, it's a win for Trump. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Stay tuned for more. Coming up next, I'm going to replay a segment that I was on uh, for Kendall and Casey this week, where we talked about the five worst presidents in U.S. history and see if Joe Biden has cracked the top two. We'll tell you about it up next. This is Saturday night on the circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Saturday Night on the Circle, where I'm your bespectacled curmudgeon, Ethan Hatcher. You can find my podcast uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. Plus, don't forget to hop in the chat while we're streaming live on the YouTube machine. This week, Rob Kendall and Casey Daniels invited me on their show to provide an update on an ongoing list that we've been gathering for a few years years now, the five worst presidents. And this is because a number of years ago, Donald Trump said that Joe Biden was worse than the five worst presidents combined. I said that was poppycock due to historical analysis, and he just hadn't had enough time in office. Now, since then, he's inched his way up on the list, and we thought it was time to see if he's cracked the top two. It's time to find out, is Joe Biden the worst president in American history? The list is out. And here once again to update us on where he puts Joe Biden is Ethan Hatcher. You know him from Saturday night on The Circle. All right, we've been doing this for about two and a half years now um, when Trump declared Biden was worse than the five worst presidents in American history combined. You, Ethan, came in flailing your arms saying that is totally illogical. He was not initially in your top five, I don't believe. And now the last time we've done this numerous times over the past two and a half years, you moved Biden up to, was it number three? Yes, he has has inched his way up to number three, but I just just don't think he can get past the top two worst 
presidents. Who are the top five real quick? The Let's top start there. five are uh, going in reverse. Number five, Andrew Johnson. Number four, Warren Harding. <laughs> number three, Joe Biden. Number two, Woodrow Wilson. And number one, James Buchanan. Okay, Buchanan's a pretty hard one to beat because he was the reason there was a civil war, and that's really going to be a tough one to right. hop over. But well, Woodrow- also he intervened in the J- Dred Scott decision, well, which declared African Americans uh, not citizens. Now explain to us the Woodrow Wilson one, though. <laughs> is it because Wilson was racist, or Wilson is there some? Is there was other not th- just racist, sir. He was super racist. Okay, but you can make a compelling case. Biden is super racist too. In the mm-hmm. things that he has said, but the actions that Woodrow Wilson took during the administration were so regressive to progress that the African American community had obtained that it set back the nation generationally and also the impact he's had on foreign policy because he was instrumental in establishing the League of Nations, which evolved to become the United Nations, which is an entity that is so worthless today, it has allowed South Africa to sue Israel over declarations of genocide against Palestine. So So think about the generational impact that Woodrow Wilson had. Casey was just emphatically pounding the table, though. She found a bunch of racist quotes from Biden. Casey, would you like to reveal some of the racist quotes from Biden that you found? Uh, first one is that he called integrated schools racial jungles. Yeah, that's pretty bad. In 1977. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when he called uh, Barack Obama that clean, nice-looking man? Yeah, that's, that's a fairy tale, dude. That's a yeah. pretty racist. Um, okay, he voted to shield some segregated schools with tax-exempt status. He opposed a homogenous society. He also, let's see here, um, he lied about marching for civil rights right. and growing that's, up in a black that, church. Is that just being a pathological liar or being an actual racist? Which one, Or is it both? Is it racist to claim that you were part of the civil rights yeah. movement? <laughs> okay, back in 2019, he were. equated uh, being poor to being non-white. That's right. Yeah, right. Poor kids are just as bright as white kids. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the all-time greatest hits yeah. from Joe Biden. Okay, so here would be the question to me, Ethan. What would Biden have to do at this point to hop? I don't think he's going to catch Buchanan, at least in the remainder of this term, because that, that's pretty bad. But what could he do to hop over Woodrow Wilson at this point? I mean, he would have to establish a entirely new kind of taxation. Woodrow Wilson, of course, was behind the implementation of the 1913 oh, Revenue Act, yeah, which was bad. the first yeah. income tax since that's the Civil bad. War. It's been a political football ever since. And as far as racism is concerned, now Joe Biden has said some pretty stupid and some pretty racist things. Yeah. But you mean like he- when he called that black reporter a junkie? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But has he resegregated the Treasury Department and the post office and implemented policies that would allow discrimination in hiring practices? He did try to get me fired, though, for not getting a vaccine that doesn't work. That seems kind of extreme. Did he did he screen a Ku Klux Klan documentary at the White House? No, re- but he did equate donuts and convenience stores <laughs> with Indian Americans. <laughs> That's not as bad as helping repopularize the Klan case. Yeah, I'm okay. sorry. You're. It's okay to be wrong, but that's what. Okay, you are. so what? This is a. Okay, is it? Is it? Okay, so. He, no doubt, Woodrow well, look, Wilson was horrible. But the- Ulysses S. Grant had declared, and Congress, uh, in conjunction with Congress, had declared the Ku Klux Klan a terrorist organization. Yeah. And because of Woodrow Wilson, he helped repopularize them. Bad. And they had reached their That's pinnacle in the 1920s, right after the uh, Wilson administration. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a good one, Ethan. I that's mean, pretty- like, Biden has said bad things, but Woodrow Wilson has done far and worse. That, and He's the, a real bastard, And man. The, in- the income tax is really bad, too. Okay, but what about, I mean, 
Biden's relationship with China, selling out your country. You don't think that's worse? What about, yeah, office for sale? Where does office for sale rank with You haven't mentioned that at all. Right. The one identifying factor of Biden right now is Mm -hmm. the dementia-addled presidency. But even that is not so egregious as Woodrow Wilson because, and we talked about this before on past segments, Edith Wilson became the de facto president Mm -hmm. of the United States because he had a stroke and she was the so... No, she was the sole go-between between members of Congress and the cabinet. Now, Joe Biden, he can at least shuffle up and do a press conference, <laughs> but Woodrow Wilson was completely bedridden and unable to speak for himself. Yeah, so Edith true. Wilson was dictating administration policy, speaking for her husband, becoming oh, the de facto man. president. Like, Jill Biden's not giving the, the press conferences. Jill I, Biden is not I, <laughs> that we know of. I want know? I want him to hop over Wilson, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, uh, man, I'm well, Wilson's so bad. Well, when I was texting Ethan the other night, I was like, man, I'm going to make the case against this, but the, when you just say the stuff out loud, <laughs> it's just really hard to hop over that, isn't it? It is. Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson was really, really bad. And then also the impact that he's had on historical analysis. Now, this wasn't in his capacity as president of the United States, but rather president of... Uh, Oh, I forget the unit. Princeton, Princeton University, mm-hmm. um, where he helped popularize the lost cause mytho- mythology, which was a slavery apologism, reevaluation of the causes of the Civil War, reframing it as states' love, rights and not about slavery. I which, love how much you know about all of this and that you can actually come in and make a case <laughs> on how Woodrow Wilson was more racist than Joe Biden. This is our show, Casey. Mm-hmm. This is our show. As always, it was fantastic getting to come in on the Kendall and Casey show and share my thoughts on the five worst presidents. And I know many are probably disappointed that Joe Biden didn't take the top spot. But look, I've been hearing that my whole life. Bill Clinton's the worst president. George Bush is the worst president. Barack Obama's the worst president. They're all the worst president while you go through them. But in fact, I don't think you can peel past Woodrow Wilson and James Buchanan, both abysmal failures in an otherwise spectacular record of success that is the United States of America. Stay tuned for more Saturday Night on the Circle. I've got one more segment to go here on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Put a spell on you. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Because of mine. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I've been having a blast here on Saturday night on The Circle, and I hope you've enjoyed the show as much as I've enjoyed doing it. Producer Jack, of course, always doing an excellent job, pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. As we wrap up the program, I thought I'd draw attention to the dystopian forecast by one Klaus Eat the Bugs Schwab of the World Economic Forum. You know know who uh, Klaus Schwab is there, uh, Producer Jack? Uh, I don't. Okay, well... 
he is a somewhat nefarious individual manipulating uh, geopolitics and corporations behind the scenes. He uh, is the progenitor of such great ideas as eat the bugs. He thinks that uh, in order to save the planet and sustain the population, we need to move away from a, a dairy and meat-based diet uh, and go to a bug-based diet. Um, of course, if that isn't dystopian enough, he's also saying that uh, in the near future, there's going to be a melding, a meshing of biology and technology into cybernetic horrors, the likes of which only science fiction has ever portrayed. Just think of the power of the combination of artificial intelligence, quantum computing and big data. Uh, so it's a combination of the different technologies which really bring the fundamental change. And finally, um, I think we have to be prepared for a world where we see a fusion of our physical, our digital and our biological uh, dimensions. So it will be a world integrating the physical, biological and um, the uh, uh, digital dimensions. Am I evil? Am I like, like an evil person? Oh my God. I mean, absolutely. Do I not tell you that enough? You are like the most evil guy I know, man. So if Klaus Schwab, in partnership with Apple, uh, announces the latest upgrade, you know, to your eyes, your body, are you installing the implant? Are you putting in the, the biochip to enhance your performance? Oh, no. no. Yeah, no, no. Pass that. Not. Don't turn me into Darth Vader. He's more man than <laughs> machine. He's more, more machine now than man. Like, no. That's that's horrifying. The idea that you're just chipping away like uh, some kind of sci-fi dystopian cyberpunk horror and turning yourself into an amalgamation of machine and man and a sick visage. Lastly, I have replaced my weak, squishy eyes with these optical implants from red cinema cameras so that I may now see life in 29.97 frames a second, just as the machine god intended. I also replaced my vocal box with this modulator system from Mattel, such that my voice may never tire. He's more machine now than man. Twisted and evil. Like the idea of just chopping yourself up and swapping out parts. This yeah. it's gross. Sends shivers up running up and down your spine. Like this is like th th this is subject of incredible like body horror fiction that's now coming into an all too frightening reality envisioned by the likes of Klaus Eats the Bugs Schwab. You will own nothing and you will like it. Like, ugh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not getting behind this. Yeah, not not on board at all. My goodness. Um, yeah. Um, now, there also was another um, noteworthy figure, unlike Klaus here, sat, who sadly passed away at the ripe old age of 96, William Bill Post. Now, if that name doesn't sound familiar, I'm sure his invention will. He gave us the Pop-Tart. The Pop-Tart. The Pop-Tart. Invented, I think more than he, invented, invented, he was only 21, so 96, so 70, like 75 years ago. So this is a product of the 1950s that has stayed popular. And I mean, Pop-Tarts are some good stuff. Yeah. I, I like a good Pop-Tart. Like what's, what's your favorite Pop-Tart flavor there, uh, Producer Jack? Um, Probably the, the Sunday one. The Sunday one? It, it's, it was. It's you mean like the hot, black, hot, yeah, fudge? hot fudge? Yeah, yeah, yeah or the um, 
There, there's hot fudge, and I think there's sh- s'mores. I think there's like two different fudge ones. It might be the hot fudge one. Okay. Um, I like I like just the good old fashioned uh, strawberry um, or a blueberry. But you know what's the best of all? Is it cinnamon? No. It's putting butter on whatever flavor you want. Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? I have not. You've never put butter on a Pop-Tart? No. Okay, well then there's no better way to end the show than commemorating the great invention of 96-year-old Bill Post who has passed away than encouraging you all to try butter on a Pop-Tart. Butter on a Pop-Tart. Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? It's so freaking good. Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? If you haven't, then I think you should. I was sitting in the kitchen one day, and I was itching to fill up my belly with the piping hot jelly of the best damn treat in the world. He's talking Pop-Tarts. And I saw a stick of butter, and it almost made me shudder and scream like a baby girl. I don't want a giant penis or a rocket trip to Venus. I don't want to win the lottery. I just want to squat and gobble till I'm dizzy and I wobble in a butterfruit and Joe Todd dream. So I put butter on a Pop-Tart. It was so freaking good. Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? If you haven't, then I think you should. Everybody, come along with us. Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? It's so freaking good. Yeah, have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? If you haven't, then I think you should. With butter. Are you gonna try it now? You gonna do it? Maybe. Mate, what? <laughs> that Maybe. was not the enthusiastic response I was looking for, producer Jack. <laughs> you're you're supposed to join me in this sugary, fattening euphoria that that is the pop the buttered pop tart. It's great. Okay, next time <laughs> next time my mom gets pop tarts, I'll I'll try it. If your mom doesn't, I will personally buy us some Pop-Tarts. <laughs> okay. We can stick them in the microwave. We'll bring a little pat of butter. And we can spread them on and then share our enjoyment on the air with the listeners. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan. All right. Thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. I leave you with my parting words of wisdom. As always, wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is a state of mind. See you next week. Mm-hmm.